Okay, everyone places. This is the final scene, so let's make this one count. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. The weather is changing and the sun is shining, which means summer party season is here, and Buffalo Freddy Party Rental has everything you need to get your party started. From tents, tables, and chairs, to inflatable bounce houses, water slides, and obstacle courses, Buffalo Freddy has everything you need to take your summer shindig to the next level. Not sure what to serve at your event? Buffalo Freddy does barbecue catering as well. For more details or to make reservations, head over to buffalofreddy.com or give them a call at 716-437-3339. That's 716-4-FREDDY. Buffalo Freddy is a proud sponsor of this podcast. The following episode of the Producers may contain language and quotes that are not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Lights, camera, podcast. Welcome back, everybody. As always, I am the Quote King, back with you again for another episode of the Producers. With me this week, we are throwing another curveball at you. Last week, or two weeks ago, rather, we had Andy Benzin on, the, uh, the Duke of Quotington, I think, Josgi. I mean, I'm not sure if that's going to stick. It's kind of a mouthful. But I have with me this week the misquoter, my buddy Rick Haug. Um, with Rick, like 60% of the movie quotes he gets every time. So it's right out of Anchorman. It's like 60% of the time, it works every time. He almost gets all the quotes right. It's like 90%. 100% of the time. But Rick, how are we doing, buddy? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Yeah, I uh, I don't have as good of a memory as you do. So I always, uh, I get most of the lines. Uh, but you are usually there to correct me. So it works out. Listen, don't, don't, I'm not the standard. I'm a unicorn. I'm stupid. There's no rational reason <laughs> for my brain to work like it does where I just remember a quote. It does not serve me in any way in life. It's, I wish I was a brilliant like statistician or so I'm not, it's, it's just, it's totally useless except to do these podcasts, which kind of worked out then podcast, trivial pursuit, you know, those types of things. Seen it, seen it. Your wife and I, that's mm-hmm. every time we have seen it. Nope. I have to have uh, Austin as my partner. Austin yeah. and I versus the room. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, we've had 10 on a team against the two of them and still lost. It's, it's, it's a rough one. It is crazy. So I'm super excited this week, not only to have you personally on here uh, with me. Uh, We are doing My Cousin Vinny, which is just one of our all-time favorites. It's one of my favorite, like, background, like, just because, like, I'll be doing this, like, doing stuff around the house, and I'm like, let's just throw something on the TV. For sure. It's one of my absolute favorites. And it's one, uh, you know, anytime it's on TV, even if it's on TBS, I'll still stop and put it on because I can still pretty much quote it non-stop it is um, a remote dropper that's why i say it doesn't matter where it is in the movie the remote drops yeah and and so i grew up on long island so you know being closer to that accent <laughs> i kind of had a little bit of the long island when i was younger not as much as the joe pesci you know brooklyn accent but uh that, but that's based that's basically what i'm doing anytime i'm trying to imitate an accent like or you for that matter like anytime i'm trying to like imitate your family i'm not really imitating your family i'm just speaking like they do in my cousin Vinny, and it's close enough 
that it's relevant to how your family speaks when they're around you. <laughs> I mean, if you if you listen to Marissa Tomei in that movie, it's like most of the girls I went to high school with. Like, you know, oh, so, it's right. pretty spot on. Um, you know, it's, I, was, I was watching Cheers the other day and they were talking to like Carla's sister or something like that. And she's like, what am I talking to? Marissa Tomei Jr. over here? And I was like, I was like that was an excellent <laughs> reference. I did not know that would have been a thing in uh, Cheers, but here we are. Yeah, well, I mean, so this movie came out in 1992. So it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a classic at this point. I um, think so. Third, oh, dude, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> this movie came 30 out years ago. 30 years ago. I know. We were five when this movie came out. Um, I'm and for slightly, me, slightly, slightly depressed now. Thank you for that. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't remember exactly when I first saw it. I wasn't at five, but it was a, one of the first movies that I watched with my dad where he let me watch an R-rated movie. Um, and we were at our, our uh, my grandparents' cabin, and there was like no cable or anything, so we just had like the VHS of it. And I almost said DVD, and I'm like, nope, that doesn't fun. Nope, nope, VHS, pre right? Predates yep. that, but it's uh, <laughs> it was just uh, one of those movies that uh, I watched, and I just kept watching. So it kind of holds a near and dear spot. Robin Hood Men in Tights is another one that's right up there. Same thing, kind of those so early comedies. That you're I you're gonna have to come back, and we're just gonna do like especially like when we hit like episode 50 or like some centennial thing, it's going to be like the Mel Brooks episode. And we're just going to do, I feel like we need young to get Frankenstein, Robin and minute line. We're just going to hammer them all in one big episode. Just get the group together. We can have all four of us on and, uh, and just knock out the Mel Brooks uh, discography. If you we've, we've, we've gone back to Anchorman. That escalated quickly. <laughs> Those did. Are sure did. Big time fast. So, and it's really, so, and for me, I think this movie introduced me to Marissa Tomei. I don't, I, nothing I know of personally predates this to me. And I'm sure there, there probably is other work that she's done professionally, but for me, this is my earliest, earliest memory of Marissa Tomei. Well, and this also put her kind of on the map. I mean, she did win the Oscar for best supporting actress for this role, which right, is which, crazy for uh, a comedy. Right, right. Like, you know, it didn't really get nominated for much else, but she, I mean, she ran away with that, with that role. I mean, that courtroom scene at the end uh, is one of like the all time best monologues and her whole, like the whole thing is, is brilliant. Right. Um, I know we're getting ahead. We're getting to the end of the movie, but. <laughs> oh, listen, Jaws and I, the, the Wizard <laughs> of Jaws and I, we're all over. We like, how many times that we go, okay, we have digressed. <laughs> like, yeah. we have, you, you have derailed. And then we got to come back and go, what were we talking about? All right. Well, so, so I did a little deep dive into the director, Jonathan Lynn, because I was curious. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts with their deep dives and writers and creators like the Office podcast, stuff like that. And and I'm really we're, interested in the like we're, we're two, we're two minutes in and you're already more prepared than Benson was two weeks ago. He was just like, what would be Tommy <laughs> boy? All right, yeah. All right. Let's do that. Already more prepared. Oh, Richard, what'd you do? <laughs> Shut up, Richard. <laughs> also, up, Richard. I mean, <laughs> we're not talking about Mike as a Vinny. We're already back to Tommy boy, but that is the main reason I don't call you Rick. I refer to you as Richard solely from the movie Tommy boy. You said something to me in college. I said, shut up, Richard. And it is just stuck. And it has never been anything else since and we've, we've been together since. <laughs> like no, so, and Ernie. Yeah. so I was doing a little dive on Jonathan Lynn. So he's a, a British director actually. Um, and some of the other movies he did before he did uh, uh, my cousin Vinny, he directed clue of all movies, which I thought was interesting. I love another clue. Classic. All, yep. Big fan of clue. And Sergeant Bilko, which is not one that I'm super familiar with, but that's a Steve Martin movie. I yep, think. I um, love Steve Martin. It's kind of like, uh, 
major pain. It's a military comedy where they're just a bunch of knuckleheads, like stripes comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bill Murray, that's that's kind of that way. And he also did the whole nine yards of of seeming not in the same genre, but um, <laughs> I, Matthew Perry, still very funny and getting oh, Bruce yeah. Willis to be a comedy actor. That's fine. But so Jonathan Lynn has a law degree from Cambridge University, and he wanted this film to for the courtroom scenes to be accurate. And it's why, you know, in some of my digging, like this film is used in law schools to talk about ways of presenting expert witnesses um, at trial for both beginning experts and for litigators. So it's it's this movie that's shown in in the academic world of law to show how to use an expert witness and how to lead witnesses with props, which is the tape measure and the pictures and um, <laughs> don't don't hold back. Shut up when you know leaves leaves <laughs> leaves, leaves leaves. And what's all this brown <laughs> shit all over the dirt crud dirt, <laughs> yeah, dirt. The, the, this crud this cruddy screen. Uh, Did, so didn't you say that this it was like hyper accurate too? Well, like so as, far, as far as the, the, the legal stuff goes, it was like spot on. Well, so I found it out. So the American Bar Association in 2008, right? That's the, the group that essentially allows lawyers to be lawyered, right? It's a, they did their 25 greatest legal movies of all time. And number one was To Kill a Mockingbird. Pretty classic. Uh, you know, number two, 12 Angry Men. Also a classic. Number three, My Cousin Vinny. Blew my mind. <laughs> Like the next 10 movies were all made before 1960 and they're ones I'd never seen, but it's crazy that my cousin Vinny is, is so like high up there with the, with lawyers because of its accuracy in the courtroom scenes and how they go about it. And there's so much stuff. I mean, I'm trying to think of like a time to kill with Matthew McConaughey and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Sandra Bullock, another fantastic movie, a, a ton of courtroom stuff, but not ranked. So apparently it can't be that. You know what I mean? I'm just starting to think back of how many different just lawyers. I mean, I, now it's ridiculous. But like, oh, I can't believe that Liar Liar didn't have more accurate courtroom stuff. For this. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, that's not... Liar Liar is a little more comedic. I think so. Yeah, but, but, but to your point, though, this movie was a comedy. Now, I mean, a, maybe sort of darker humor and rated R opposed to PG-13, which is what Liar Liar was. But sure. I think my cousin Vinny's mostly rated R because it's hard to do a, a New York accent without dropping a couple F bombs <laughs> here and there. It's just it is part of the vernacular. That it's is just, just what how it goes. You know, it's uh, you know, it's funny. You know, and and uh, Ralph Macchio too. You know, kind of in a in a understated role. He's coming off a of Karate Kid, um, still younger, trying to like get his chops, and he's in the movie, but he's not the main character at all. It's really right. Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei that move this whole movie forward as much as it's about the two kids getting caught up in the law it's really about joe pesci and marissa tomei and their you know relationship mm -hmm. and him you know uh this this is his first case and this is his he's first never case. actually he gone to trial the bar before. six times he, you right. know, uh i think it was six uh and this was no six fifth times a charm not for me not for me <laughs> six six times a charm so, you know, it's funny, you bring up Ralph Macchio. So I've been watching him a lot recently, watching Cobra Kai, right, on Netflix, trying to catch up because I was sure, like, sure. the next season's coming out in a couple of months. And I was like, oh, I'm, I didn't watch the previous season and the next one's going to come out. I mean, not soon, but in the next couple of months anyways. But I can't help it. Every time I see him on Cobra Kai, I'm just sitting there going, ma, ma. Ma, no, no, they, they're trying to set us up as patsies, ma, ma. So, like, that, it's my favorite part of the movie of all the great stuff that happens. And most of it 
to your point, was Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei or, or his going back and forth with the judge and whatever. But like him having to call his mother, who is like, I just is an old school. You never meet her. You don't know who she is. But you just I have this vision in my head of this like hard nosed, just deep rooted Italian mother. Do you know what I mean? Who would like beat him with a rolling pin type thing? Like, and course, like, well, just yeah. a whole lot of stereotypes in there. But like that he's going to call her and tell her that they've been arrested. And not only have they been arrested, not, not, not too good, Ma. Uh, murder. Murder. Ma, murder. Ma, 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 ma. I didn't ma. do it. Ma. <laughs> like, just, What's just, funny, though, is you like, could, you, like hear, I, right. you hear that conversation, but you don't hear the mother's side, but you know exactly right. what she's saying. It, exactly. She has no words. There is no dialogue for <laughs> Ralph Macchio's mother in the movie. Ma, but he's. Ma. Ma, $50, ma, $100,000. Ma, ma, ma. ma. <laughs> She's just going nuts in his ear, and he's trying to calm her down. Well, It's my favorite have, part. And then you get to the part where, of course, you know, they say the title of the movie because that's, oh, we got a lawyer in the family. Oh, who is it? My cousin my cousin Vinny. Vinny. And, and I go full Lois Griffin. Uh, he said it. I he said it. my gears. He said uh, it. So it's, you know, and then like that first scene where Joe Pesci shows up and, and uh, oh, what's his name? The the other guy thinks that he's coming in to try and sleep with him, that he's a prisoner. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Stan. Stan, Stan shut up. Stan. Shut up, Stan. <laughs> oh, Vinny. Vinny bag of donuts. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's like, we, we say that in my family all the time. Anytime you see somebody, hey, Vinny bag of donuts. How's it going? Uh, it's such a... Uh, I mean, I could sit here. We, we've talked. <laughs> how many times have we talked about this movie? At, at, you know hundreds probably at this point it, it, it was it was a no-brainer when i thought to ask you to be on the podcast in our in our substitute uh teacher role it, i mean so again so a couple of mel brooks we could have done like robin men in tights but i think this one was really close to the top or this one would have been just hysterical honestly the right up there the birdcage i think also would have been hysterical one of my oh, all-time favorite robin williams movies God, so good but but this one, just with the, the Brooklyn accent and everything like that they go through, is just ridiculous. I mean, uh, any, anytime, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, and not just you, but anybody who's been cooking and you're like frying bacon, like you aware of the ongoing cholesterol problem in this country? Like, you know, it's just this so- past weekend, I was camping <laughs> at Letchworth, and I had my grill, my flat top, and I put a bunch of butter on and i look at my dad and i go are you aware of the ongoing cholesterol <laughs> problem in this country and it's just it's uh and it, you know and i used to travel a lot for work so i've been in the south and there are a lot of greasy spoon diners that are i mean not to the point where it was breakfast lunch dinner on the menu but kind of right. close wait, to that wait, what do you think two breakfasts yeah two uh, two yeah i also you love that the breakfast was a dollar 99 take me back oh my god yeah i mean 1992 in the south that's probably about right uh and then, you know, I mean, just the whole thing. And, you know, to go back to kind of how this is used, I have a quote here from a, a Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals judge, Richard Posner, and he praised my cousin Vinny. And he says, uh, particularly rich in practice t- tips, how a criminal defense lawyer must stand his ground against a hostile judge, even at the cost of exasperating the judge, because the lawyer's primary focus is not uh, uh, is the jury, not the judge. And how cross-examination um, can sow serious doubts about a witness's credibility, right? So the credibility part, talking about the grits, you know, I, I so funny because I got a TikTok that was talking about this fried chicken defense and he said, it's like the grits defense in my cousin Vinny because it sows doubt in an expert witness or in a witness if they do something that's, you know, against the rules. There's a, no self-respect in Southerner uses instant grits and that <laughs> right. 15 minutes ends up becoming important 
because of how long it took to cook. So he could only see him go in 15 minutes later, they come out. And so it's just kind of using that. And in Vinny's kind of screwed up way of going about it, he ends up getting a lot of positives in the, in the cross-examination, which he then, you know, the tape measure demonstrates, um, you know, how the, how the, uh, the old woman can't see, you know, and of course there's the comedy with the judge saying, uh, Mrs. Riley, how many fingers am I holding up? Uh, let the record show that the defendant's holding up two fingers, <laughs> two fingers, Your Your Honor, Honor, please. <laughs> so, and I think uh, that that's the genius of this movie is so not only how accurate it was to actual lawyerly courtroom drama, you know what I mean? And how accurate it was in its, in its representation of what happens in a courtroom, but how do we intelligently insert humor into something that is traditionally a non funny do you know what i mean it's it's just yeah. like like again that exact part like Yorana, please like mrs riley and only mrs riley you know, <laughs> like like that i i know it's coming i know he's going to say it i look forward to him saying it i laugh out loud every single time like i said i say the words with it but i still laugh because even though i know what's coming it's still it's it's just brilliant and to go more into the appeals judge, right? He's talking about the importance of the Brady doctrine, which is how to dress for a trial. Like the whole bit where he shows up in the leather jacket and he holds <laughs> him in contempt. suit better be court. made of some kind of cloth. <laughs> he shows up wearing the leather jacket. And I then, thought I told you the next time I see you, you're supposed to dress lawyerly. You were serious about that? <laughs> if the next holds him in contempt. The that's court. what I say. He's in the, he's in the prison bus again. <laughs> and, then he, with him. and then, you know, Marissa Tomei goes and gets his suit pressed they get it stuck in the mud. He wears the ridiculous, you know, three-piece suit from With the, the frit, like, story. Straight out of Dumb and Dumber, except it's like maroon instead of orange and blue. I mean, just yeah. the most ridiculous suit ever. You Either mocking with me with that outfit? No, no, Judge, I'm not mocking you. With this ridiculous thing for you. Yeah, uh, super, super sad. So uh, the judge, um, whose name is Fred Gwynn, um, actually passed away in 93. So yeah. like this was like one of the last things he ever did was this movie. I mean, and, and couldn't have been more perfect for the role, really. Oh, uh, his voice. I mean, that voice, it's 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 iconic. I mean, you know, I remember him watching like reruns on TV land of the Munsters as a kid. Yep. So with the know? old school Nick at night, when Nick at night was like, I love Lucy and you know what I mean? Old school, black and white, the Dick Van Dyke show, everything, but they used to yeah. have the Munsters on. And my mom actually had to tell me. So again, I'm whatever, twelve when I'm I'm in middle school. Again, I don't know when I watched this for the first time, but it was probably way back when. But uh, that she had to go listening to his voice. Do you know where he's from? And I was like, you know, I didn't have this stupid adult brain now where I could have picked that voice out of a lineup. <laughs> I was like, no, I have no idea. She's like, he's the Frankenstein monster from the Munsters, and he's like six eight. Like he was super tall, um, and Joe Pesci is like half that. It seems. <laughs> Which makes it comedic yeah. when he's in his, you know, chambers and he's standing next to him. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, he was just perfect for that role. And it's sad that yeah, he passed away in 93, but this was one of his last roles. Talking about roles. Um, I found out originally the studio wrote this movie with, the, with Andrew Dice Clay being the role of Vinny. Oh God. And I just then, threw up my mouth a little bit. I don't know why I you know. would say that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I don't even and know then, what to do with this. Because of all the stuff that went down with him, they ended up punting that, and they they brought in Danny DeVito, they brought in Robert De Niro, Jim Belushi, but ended up settling on Joe Pesci. 
just coming off of, I believe he was coming off a casino and, uh, uh, as was Robert De Niro. And yeah, exactly. And, you <laughs> know, and it just, did they just interview all the same guys from that one movie or that was fun. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. you know, it, it, it's, uh, I guess kind of how it works sometimes. So I, I get it. The only thing that really creeps me out about this movie is that Joe Pesci's like two decades older than Marissa Tomei, that it's like, there's really no reason for them to be in a relationship. It tries to portray them as like just two people in their late twenties, early thirties. And it, it is not, I mean, she is, she's he 27. Is he right. was 49. So right. yeah, so there's a she's not even 30 and he's basically 50. I mean, she's now like 49 playing you know, Aunt May in Spider-Man. Maybe she's a little older. She's like probably in her fifties now, but still. Why don't, yeah, yeah. I was trying to Joe think. Joe Pesci's of how in his seventies. He's seventy-nine. It has, has to be. Has to be. If only there was a handy website that we could use to look at exactly how old somebody is. Forty-nine at the time they filmed the movie, thirty years ago. So you know, seventy-nine. He's probably seven or eighty. He was born in forty-three. Okay, so he's seventy-nine. There you go. Nailed it. Got Marissa it. Tomei was, which I think we said, right? 57. She's 57. 64. So she, well, I'm not years old as in born in yeah. <laughs> 64. Yeah. Isn't your wife a math teacher? We need her help with this advanced eligibility. You know what? That's on. why I let her deal with the math. And I don't even have to do it. You know? <laughs> I can't wait to be like, be like, Val, we need your help for like eight seconds. There was hardcore <laughs> arithmetic going. I didn't have my abacus on me or oh, man. 89 graphing calculator. I don't even know if they still use those anymore. Graphing calculators. Yes. Abacus is no. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fine. So movie had a budget of eleven million dollars, but grossed over sixty-four million worldwide. So definitely uh, made back what they put into it. Um, I, I looked up Roger Ebert's review at, at the time, and he only gave it two and a half stars out of four. Well, what does he know? <laughs> well, his whole thing was just that it was really just kind of Marissa Tomei that brought it back around and Joe Pesci and Ralph Macchio wasn't really a big part of it, but I mean, I think, not it's accurate. I mean, that's pretty much. I think it's accurate, but I think it's also kind of a, at least for me being the history of it, it's kind of like a cult classic in my mind. Like I, you know, any movie that I've watched a hundred times, you know, of course it's going to probably rank higher than it might. Right, like, right. If somebody who's never seen it watches it for the first time, it might take a viewing or two to really like appreciate the humor in it. But I, th I think it's still, I mean, you know, it's still up there. So, so when you're ever thinking about trying to like, you're trying to find your words, are you ever all, <laughs> just go full into the other defense council? Where you're just like ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, uh, jury like, <laughs> like I don't I don't do it on purpose but I swear <laughs> if I went back and listened to all the episodes I'm sure at some point like I'm getting Ugh. better. And so that actor whose name I don't have in front of me right now, but he, it's I don't know who he, he is. If I mean has he had a stutter in real life, and he did this role, and then it kind of ruined his acting career because there. Everyone thought he had this stutter and he was only getting cast in roles that had it. And he kind of left acting. So his name is know, Austin, Austin Pendleton. Uh, so I, I should know what know, his name is. It's my first name, but that I did not know that at the time. His last, uh, yeah, well now, his last, I mean, so he's, he did stuff in 2022 forever. So 
I know it'll happen, yeah. and we have no yeah. choice now. But he did but some he, stuff. There was, I think, I think from what I read, there was a there was a hiatus there where he had a rough time in Hollywood. But, it is a cruel and unforgiving time, um, if that's how we're. But yeah, I mean, the bit of him not being able to, yeah, that stutter I, at all, and then he gets in front of the jury for the first time, and and. It's just, what, what was that? I mean, Stan just looks at him like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, I'm getting better. I'm getting like, better. That, like, what was it like before? <laughs> that, that That's what we got in front of the jury when it actually mattered. Notice you uh, were not wearing your prescription eyeglasses. It like, like makes a huge point and like kind of puts his fist down. They're, they're reading glasses. They're, they're reading glasses. <laughs> it's like points at his face. No more questions. <laughs> and then... And then so Vinny, obscure. as much of a screw up as he is, right? He makes a decent point, and then Stan just stands up and is like, "I'm going with him." Right, I want him. Public uh, I, I, everything. I like. I just him. The the opposing counsel, who again, so my first uh, meeting, we'll say with, and again, I got to look his name up now with Lane Smith, which I should know that was on Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman, <laughs> on I think TNT, it might have been TBS. It's one of those 23, 24 channels. Uh, when I was like a kid that he was uh, the editor in chief of the newspaper that they all worked for. But he goes through this eloquent, very articulate, very precise, intelligent, like well-spoken opening statement. And he stands up and goes, everything that guy just said was bullshit. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you. But, and then again, to not miss a beat because you have to have like the legality and uh, counts his entire opening statement, except for thank you to be stricken from the record. Like, like that he addresses that he made one and that everything other than thank you can't be used. Yeah. In the uh, court of law. And like the real lawyers are like, yeah, no, that would have happened. They would have to yeah. acknowledge that you said it and they have to strike from the record, except for thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and there's just so many good like running gags in this movie too. Like Marissa Tomei taking pictures with her camera. Right, like she starts. It's like a it's a pink first, little kids like travel camera. The first shot of her when they get to Alabama is her taking pictures of the town out of the car, and it's that slow shot where you see the car and you see Vinny sitting on the hood with his leather jacket on, and she's in with her sunglasses, chewing gum. I think hoop earrings, like very uh, it would ha- it would have to be hoop earrings. There's no question. And just taking I, I, pictures. I fit in more than you. At least I'm wearing cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. You yeah, blend. you blend. <laughs> you blend. What are you, a fucking world traveler? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, it's the, the, like one of our first slides. I bet the Chinese food here is terrible. <laughs> Stop asking about Chinese. Obviously, ain't got no Chinese food restaurants around here. Uh, Let me ask you something. How do you, how do you get mud into Tyus? Oh, it's a figure of speech. <laughs> it's just saying. What's funny, though, off. is is every little bit th- from when they first get to that town, right, is information right, correct? That ends up coming back around when it all gets sewn up at the end, and it's and it's great because even the camera, like the picture she takes, ends up being the thing that changes the case, and it ends with him having to bring her in as a hostile witness. Which we can talk more about that scene because that is iconic. I think <laughs> that last fifteen minutes is like one of the most iconic scenes. I think in any movie because it is just so good and it's it really, it, i honestly i would rank it right up there with the uh, a few good men that you can't handle the truth like that whole thing that that jack knows that goes on with tom cruise you yeah. want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth and just that whole thing 
like her going off on him, like the take- first going the- off on him. And then when she realizes that the he information was, that he was wrong and it's actually going to solve the case. And then the cross-examination, which the whole, what tool did you use? Uh, gra- guess, radograph. respect of that, right <laughs> that whole thing was taken from an actual court transcript of an expert witness talking about the tool he used to test the tire. Like that's where the accuracy from, from Jonathan Lynn comes in. He wanted everything to really hit that point because he has that law degree. And so that whole bit like is, is real. I, just, I love when he recalls George Wilbur and he's like, what'd you think of Miss Vito's testimony? Very impressive. She's cute too, huh? He's like, uh, yes, very. Like, you have to answer honestly. You perjure yourself in court. Like, like, well, the opposing counsel could have objected to it, but they didn't. So it just kind of stays in there. Yeah, sure. But uh, ridiculous. <laughs> the, the correct ignition sequence would be four degrees before top dead center, which I don't have any idea what any of that means. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm I mean, that it's accurate. <laughs> you know what? And, and somebody, <laughs> somebody posted this and they were just talking about like, the gap in the generations they're like my grandfather's car had instructions in the owner's manual on how to adjust the valves they're like my niece's car says don't drink the wiper fluid like like (laughs) this is where we've come in in a couple of generations that anybody who bought a car could bait and i could be an auto mechanic but like no here's the instructions if you like to change your oil, adjust the valves, twist, torque, put it, whatever. Here's the instructions on how to do that. We trust you to do that if you want to do it. My so father like, I, was a mechanic. His, his father was um, a mechanic. My three uncles on my own father signed a mechanic, right? I'm an out-of-work hairdresser. I'm an out-of-work hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but that whole thing. So, like, I wouldn't even know. So, even if you wanted to wad die the witness and kind of just. <laughs> Which get, I had to look up. Right. Yeah, get, <laughs> to to kind of get a feel for what her expertise is. I, I wouldn't know. Like, I don't, I wouldn't even know. I mean, so they just make the, the prosecutor, like, I don't know. But not clearly a, not, the prosecution knew what he was talking about to ask the question. And that's what I'm saying, right? It's a whole thing. Like, I don't know how many lawyers would be that kind of an expert in like general automotive knowledge. So well, that would be a you, thing. You got to look at where it was, right? So in Alabama in the late eighties, early nineties, like, you know, they probably did work on their cars a lot. And he, you know, he's got that cabin in the woods. He's kind of like a, uh, you know, blue collar, I guess I'd call him. I wouldn't call him a redneck because he's a lawyer, but he's right, blue, yeah, right. blue collar. You know, he's got the hunting cabin with the guns in the cabinet. Joe Pesci comes out and shoots at the owl that's screeching, which is another great running gag in that, in the movie where they, everywhere they stay, it's super Something, loud. It's right. the train. It's, uh, you know, it starts out as the, the train. The, the, the hogs. And they got to move right, right. They're, they're like going to the, the slaughterhouse. It's right across the, the street. 5 a.m. hogs coming out. And then it's right. the owl screeching. Yesterday, then, you told me that train, how they ever comes through here at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's true. It's supposed to be. <laughs> right now, at 5 o'clock in the morning, it used to come in at quarter after 4. It usually comes in at quarter after 4. <laughs> and the whole room shakes. And Marissa Tomei just starts laughing because it's just, it is a, it's a great kind of running gag. Which then you get to the part where. He says, don't bail me out. And he's in jail and it's super loud. And he's sleeping like well, a baby. Right. The and there's time. like prisoners are like banging on cells. And like the alarms are going off. Like there's some sort of riot or prison break. And he's like, ah, Brooklyn, I'm home. And he like yeah. sleeps loudly <laughs> the entire night through. Which and is then, and, 
and no, he shows ahead. up to the courtroom that next day all rested and and it's just like it's just that's why i love i love a good bit i'm always that, a big fan that, of that whole thing is i got no more use for this guy like he is focused he is ready to roll the entire time he's cruising yeah and really and so but i think it, as much as again it really it follows him and his dealings with the court case marissa tomei just straight steals the show every possible moment you you can like just steal a scene she 100% does it from start to finish. We already said it. Like, what are you, a world traveler? Like, the whole, like from right there. Like, it's him, the guy questioning him about the wheel and the tire, and then she just comes in with the one-liner, and, and yep. I'm laughing at her the whole time, and my attention is no longer on the gentleman asking about the car or Joe Pesci. You're going like, to shoot a deer? A little doe-eyed leafy deer. And that, that, that whole thing, right, that, that's like a minute straight of dialogue. Would you give a shit about what kind of pants the son of a bitch you shot you was wearing? It's just this whole long thing where she's wham, a bullet rips off half your head. Like, and she just goes nuts with it. And it's funny every time. But it's like, also her reading the court book and telling Vinny the stuff he's getting wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finessing him. I'm, I'm getting ready to finesse him. Right. And he just gives me a, you stole Trotter's files. <laughs> It's called disclosure, you dickhead. He has to. You it could be a mistrial. It. Could be a mistrial. You're entitled. Oh my god. Which again, so he comes through. The whole scene is him and opposing counsel, and they're chit chatting, and he's they're going hunting, and then again, she straight up steals. Like I don't. You never like. I'm like on bated breath, on the edge of my seat, waiting for what she's going to say next. And you add the suspense in there of him lying about what his name is because he's never tried a case. With the Joey right. Gallo, Joey Gallo. C-A-L-L-O. Jerry, Jerry, Gary Gallo's dead. I know that. I know he's dead. <laughs> I didn't say Jerry Gallo. I said Jerry Gallo. Gallo. C-A-L-L-O. His name was in the paper all last week, but you didn't actually read the article. No, <laughs> he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> and so when he goes in, there's a scene later when the judge, you know, calls him in and he's telling him his name and he swats the chessboard. And it flies all over the room. And that was a mistake. That wasn't actually supposed to happen. But they played it out and they just kept it in the movie because of how well it played. Like he ruined this game that the judge has been sitting there doing, you know, for like playing, probably playing by himself. Right. He's playing yeah. both sides of the board himself. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, is the two youths, which I know you and I say that all the time. The, all the two, of what? the time. I'm sorry, that Your Honor. Youths. That was uh, Jonathan Lynn being British, mishearing Joe Pesci say something and thought that bit was funny. So they put it in the movie. So like that wasn't really in the original script either. It's just great little things like that, that he saw the humor in that. Because, yeah, it is, you know, Long Island, Brooklyn. It's You got to kind of understand what people are saying, because sometimes it makes no sense. <laughs> it's like going down south or going to Boston, any of the accents. It takes a minute to kind of think of what somebody's trying to say sometimes. You lost your khakis? Oh, I, I, I lost I lost my khakis? My pants? No, I got my pants. No, no, but you got your khakis. You lost your khakis. Save it. Save it for when you do the departed. That'll be, uh, <laughs> then we can pull out the boss. Then we can pull out the Mark Or, or Ted, or, I mean, basically Ugh. anything that Mark, Mark Wahlberg is in. I don't know. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Ridiculous. Ugh. So with right. this, with this movie, so, I mean, again, we we gush about everything on this podcast. Like, I feel like at no point we were, Jaws and I are due for like, uh, okay, this was the worst movie we've ever seen. You know, like we keep picking movies that we really like. 
it's like we're, we're bound to take one to like, hey, this was god awful. I'm embarrassed I spent two hours watching this. So we're, we're overdue for one of those. But all right. So we, what Jonathan and I normally do is when we rate these things, it's out of clicky clackers and each one of us get five or it's out of five. And then you can do up to a quarter of a point. And then the total rating is out of 10. And it's a merger of both of our numbers. So you are given five clicky clackers. What are, like what are we going with? And it's, it's whatever rubric. Yeah, no. And, material you want to use. Know, and so for me, it's one of those like, I, so I guess it's, it's, it has sentimental value. So for me, like if I take that part out of it. Right. It was your first it, R-rated movie. It's like, yeah, you never forget, right? It's definitely whole... one of the first ones, you know, there, you know, it's like I said, Robin Men and Tights, PG-13, I think, but you know, those of, you know, I was definitely younger than I should have been when I first saw these movies. Um, but I guess comparing it to other comedies, you know, I'd probably say it's a 4.25. Okay. Um, for me, um, you know, with the nostalgia, I'd probably say 4.75, but I think <laughs> knocking a half a point off because it's good. It's funny. Uh, but there are definitely some other movies that I think are, are funnier, of course. Right. Like, but I, you know, that would be kind of where I'd go with it. Um, so See, now I'm it, curious where you're at. So I, I'm, I'm really, I'm pretty close. I, I try to keep things in perspective and it's so like grading movies on with no real scale. It's just kind of whatever. Do you know what I mean? But I look at it like, you know, some of our, our highest ratings, well, you know, Forrest Gump, I think we both give it, like, it was a perfect time. It was a five out of five. It was like a movie that was like Oscars and they won soundtrack and script and whatever. And again, 30 some years later, we're still like, oh, dude, Forrest Gump's on. Run, Forrest, run. If you've never seen that movie, you people know what you're talking about when you say run, That's Forrest, true. run. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was one of the things that kind of changed. It had like societal impacts that we Life went off the, a box of chocolates. Anybody uh, who knows that quote exactly, knows it's from that movie. exactly. Even if um, they're sitting at a Bubba Gump Shrimp Company in Times Square, like, uh, right, right. Like, that the restaurant know, still exists. It's, right? it's, it's a whole thing. So yeah. that, I mean, so for good reason, it got a perfect ten. That was the score. You give it a ten. Uh, <laughs> if Jaws can listen to that, Billy Bob from Varsity Blues. Give it a fucking ten, ten, <laughs> two two hands, ten. Uh, no, so I'm gonna go with a four. I'm gonna give it a four. Okay. So it's it's an eight point two five slash hyphen parentheses, almost a nine with sentimental <laughs> impact value from from Richard. But we're gonna ignore the sentimental impact that we're just going to you know do. what? I, I think I'm okay with the 8.25. You know, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a good movie, but you, it's hard to put it up against Forrest Gump or Shawshank or. Uh, right, yes. You know, right. Our, of those, some like, of the greatest movies of all time. Right. I'd put it up there in probably in my top 10 of comedies all time. Not sure. that I've thought of this list, you know, that long, but I think it's definitely up there. So for, for me, every time we get into something like this, it, I'm always like, I'm always wanting to put things in different groups. Like, it's like, how do you compare? So like, how do how would you compare Die Hard to My Cousin Vinny? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's really, it's not, there's not a pertinent. No, because it, it different points that makes it good, you know? Right. It's, so it's like, you now if we're talking action. about Die Hard with a vengeance, there's a lot of comedy <laughs> in that. That is, I, that's another movie I saw early on. That's a great, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's hilarious in that. You know what? If you see a lot of these movies, so like, so we talked about first R-rated movie. I'm pretty positive that the first one I saw was Shawshank, and it really is only because TNT plays it on a loop. Yeah. Like, it has to be the most played movie in like TNT history. Yeah, I it's like as like every other day I'd be like, oh, Shawshank's on. 
and it's rated R, but you're not getting any of the things that make it rated R. Sure. At, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, it's just not. So I will say with our 8.25, Rotten Tomatoes has it at an 87%. So we're really not too far off. Right, right. And so we're a little high on the IMDb. IMDb gave it to 7.6 out of 10. Okay. So, so I mean, kinda... at 122,000 people, which is one of the higher ones. A lot of times you don't get that many people, Yeah. you know, rating them. But 120,000 is a lot of peeps weighing in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, buddy, I think uh, with our ratings, that'll pretty much wrap it up. Uh, the misquoter, Rick, thanks for joining uh, me, buddy. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Like I said, I hope to uh, come back and we can talk some more, hopefully Mel Brooks uh, comedies. I'm a big fan of all of them, but uh, <laughs> so I was, can misquote just about anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> was, was this your first time misquoting on a podcast? It was my first time misquoting oh, on a podcast. Oh, damn. How about so that? Here we are. It's the podcast uh, premiere for the misquoter here. <laughs> I, I, so I'm super happy that that has stuck. We weren't sure what you're – so after Benson came on two weeks ago, the first thing he said to me on air was, dude, why don't I get a nickname? Like, what the hell is that about? <laughs> like, So I was like, hey, Andy, welcome to the podcast. And his first response was, where the hell is my nickname? Jaws has got 14 <laughs> of them. You got one. So I wanted to make sure that you had one before you came on. And I think the misquoter – Stop, like that's that we were there well my wife said the same thing when we were talking about it and you guys have always been on the same page so <laughs> that works out too funny so for those of you out there so um richard's wife valerie um i've known her i met her and the wizard of jaws on the exact same day at the first grade of middle school so our first day of seventh grade uh our all of our last names are alphabetically right next to each other in middle school so we all met at the uh same season time so fantastic. I came but, into the picture much later in college, <laughs> but now I'm yeah. stuck around. So not going anywhere. Yeah. Val, Val goes ahead and meets my college roommate and then marries him. I mean, who does that? Honestly, come on now. Yeah. We weren't roommates at the time when, uh, when, uh, when I met Val, but it was close. Listen, you, it, it was a very long engagement period. You like, it's not my fault that you asked her out and she said no half a dozen times before she finally came to her senses. It was only three. It was only three. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're on a podcast. You have to inflate the numbers for, for dramatic yeah. effect. It's got to be a whole thing. But with that being said, Rick, thanks <laughs> again, buddy. The producers are out of here, and we will see you guys next week. See ya. The Podducers is part of the BICBP Radio Network. Check us out online at BICBP-radio.com or find us on social media by typing in The Podducers to Facebook. Like, follow, share, subscribe, and tell your friends about us today. 